Warning! What follows is a story of monsters, madness, and mayhem. I'm Nick. I'm Zach. Welcome to Weird and Feared, a barely educational podcast about global folklore that aims to enlighten, entertain, and expand your world. What is a corporation? One definition states, it is an association of individuals created by law or under authority of law, having a continuous existence independent of the existence of its members, and powers and liabilities distinct from those of its members. Well, another fun little tidbit, I don't know if you know this or not, but corporations are people. I've heard that. You've heard that once or twice? I have. In your life, in recent memory? Yes. Well, allegedly, well, I'll just state it as fact, because it is. Their speech is the same as yours or mine. Their influence when it comes to entering contracts, loaning and borrowing money, owning assets, paying taxes, and participating in lawsuits are the same as any individual person. Huh. The same as you, me, and any of you listening at home. To quote former presidential candidate and U.S. Senator Mitt Romney, quote, corporations are people, friend, end quote. That's a weird thing. He yelled it to a crowd of people in Iowa in like 2012. Some guy, some guy was like yelling at him and he goes, corporations are people, my friend. Okay. Like, what was the guy yelling like? Is hey, a lot Mitt, of, <laughs> what's going on? There's a lot he of just throws that out there. Yeah. How you doing? Huh. No, man. Corporations are people, friend. All right. Okay. I mean, this. I mean, these are just facts. That's, this that's is just, what he wants to do. I guess. Right. This. This is just the world we live in. But to me, and this, of course, will probably seem obvious to you as well. But what seems to be a glaring and obvious difference between companies and single people? I mean, corporations can only function if the people within them are performing their specific duties and obligations at behest of said company. They are unified by a single objective. Unlike an individual person, corporation is able to cover more ground and handle more business because it is in fact made up of several independent and multiple people capable of free will and individual thought, again, working at the behest of the company's ambitions. Corporation is a conglomeration of people working towards a common goal. Wouldn't it be nice if you had a team of people working beneath you whose mission it was to carry out every one of your own aspirations? Yeah. A team of, you know, a team of associates? Well, working I'm, I'm their leader, so I'm not, they're not on my level. <clears throat> no, yeah, right. Well, you're part but of, I, you're clearly the, right. You're clearly way above them. Yeah. Top guy. I associate with them. Right, exactly. Because I have um, to. Right. Especially if they owe everything to you. Yeah. You're their life. Yep. Or it may be a more appropriate parallel to say, wouldn't it be cool to have people working within you? Weird. But because if a corporation is a person, then those people working for it are more analogous to a living being's internal cells. So, if, like, if I didn't have to move my own arm, I had a little man inside my body that moved my arm for me? Like, we are going with this. Yes, absolutely. I like that. Right. You had a guy that just basically... Like, hey, you, guy, work my legs. Yeah, right. You had leg guy. Yeah, leg guy. Leg guy, arm guy. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I like to think that I could be made up of five. Five little men. You want to be above, You want to be five guys? Yeah, five guys. How's your sandwiches? Uh, good? Never. How's I don't your know. Burgers? I never had one. No, you never had a five guy burger? No. Pretty good. I mean, it's a burger. What do you know? But I want to be made of five guys. So now I can be made of cheeseburgers, too. I'm cool with that, too. <laughs> Well, as long as as long as they're not sentient cheeseburgers, unless well, oh, I hey, I'm okay with that too. I could be a sentient cheeseburger man. <laughs> <laughs> I could be <laughs> not not opposed. Excuse me, I'm just thinking about a sentient cheeseburger. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, just no ketchup. 
Yeah, no ketchup, absolutely none. No, no ketchup in your cheeseburgers, no. especially the ones that are sentient, living inside you, that are in fact you. Yeah. But anyways, all these people <laughs> inside of a corporation, they're more inagul. Nah. But anyways, all these people working in this corporation are more like <laughs> the smaller pieces of a bigger whole that comprise its entire biology. Regardless, because the work of a corporation is bigger than what any single human being is capable of, corporate hierarchies exist within them to divvy out tasks and to keep everyone on the same page. In an ideal world, again, I emphasize ideal, their bureaucracies are what give them their strength. And I'll tell you why. Because the ability to have multiple people carrying out multiple objectives, say if, you know, you had multiple hamburgers inside you, I'm sure your life would be much more efficient. If you had multiple controlling hamburgers inside of you. Yeah, I think so. Okay. So the ability to have multiple people carrying on multiple objectives in the name of a common goal is what gives them their power. So what is a corporation's purpose? In the modern global sphere, in modern America, its purpose is to make money. Maximize profits at any cost. That is the contemporary capitalist corporation. Mm-hmm. Sounds about right. Uh-huh. But what if there was a corporation whose goal was not to make money? No. They're trying to make cheeseburger men? No. <laughs> but that's we're gonna we're gonna save cheeseburger men for a whole separate topic. Okay. That'll just be two weeks from now. Cheeseburger men. <laughs> what? How do I become one? How do I, yeah. <laughs> it's a new podcast series. <laughs> How do I become a cheeseburger man? <laughs> Rule number one, you are what you eat, so eat cheeseburgers. On it. <laughs> Step number one. Yeah, right. Step number two. Eat more cheeseburgers. Hmm. I can get <clears throat> behind this plan. All right. But no, ignoring cheeseburger men and cheeseburger corporations. What if there was a corporation whose ambitions were not to make money? What if its aspirations were something far more all-encompassing, far more grandiose and blasphemous to our current world order? Yet what if our current world order requires it? What if its purpose... The reason for its power was to maintain a balance between good and evil. What if its purpose was the protection of lesser, more vulnerable creatures from stronger, darker forces of terror? What if its purpose was to enforce a law, but not just any law, the law, the word, the word of God? Hmm. I've heard of him. Likewise pretty famous yeah well what would this enterprise's bureaucracy look like what would be the corporate makeup of a company whose mission was to enact the will of the lord what would be the power structure of god incorporated I mean, it'd probably be a lot of paperwork it would take forever to get anything done just like everything else right but who would fill these roles well starting from the very top of his heavenly order we are going to break down the bureaucracy of the multidimensional company that holds the fate of our functioning universe within its grasp. Let's talk angels. Okay. Okay. An earthly corporation has a board of directors. These individuals are the highest stockholders in the entire company. Amongst themselves, they are tasked with electing someone to lead them, and by default, the entire organization. Now, this would be, of course, the chairman. Mm-hmm. The chairman sets the organization's strategy and works directly with the board and upper management to ensure the company runs as smoothly as possible. The chairman is the public face of the company's leadership. In some cases, the public face for the entire company and everything it stands for. The chairman bears the responsibility of a company's successes as well as a company's failure. He is responsible for all the good the company does, along with all of the bad. His vision sets policy. You could almost say he works in mysterious ways. Oh, hey, oh. Oh. In God Incorporated, there's no vote, not even amongst its highest-ranking members. No. In fact, the chairman was decided at the inception of the universe. He is God, and this is his operation. Working from the top down. Okay. The God-man. Who's next in line? Now. <clears throat> While the board may not get a say in who their chairman is, you'd be hard-pressed to find any of them complaining about it. The board of directors seems perfectly fine with this arrangement. But let's break down the board a little bit further, shall we? Sure. 
What are we talking about now? What we're talking about now are God's inside directors, the seraphim. And being this high in the company has its own level of perks. As the beings closest to God and his divine light, they generally have no use for physical forms and are made up of pure energy and can be, so- and can be found chanting the Trisagion. T-R-I-S-A-G-I-O-N. The Trisagion. Triplets of the word holy. Cool. One such chant would be, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. The vibrations of these recitings form the foundations of the fire of love. This group of angels are heavily connected to fire, in so much as they are also referred to as burning serpents. That's so scary. Serpents? Serpents? Seraphim? Huh? Mm-hmm. Just saying. They're also associated with dragons. And while they are generally beings of pure fire and energy, when they reveal their angelic forms to human beings, they have six wings and four heads. Because of its association with snakes and serpents, this rank is forever connected to shedding one's skins as a display of healing and rebirth, and can also be evocative of a phoenix springing to life from the ashes of its demise. Now, this is the part of our telling where we start introducing specific characters and personalities. Okay. Going beyond the titles held within this company and dealing with the individuals who hold such titles. It is also the point where we address something that will become ever too common once we get going. For this, let's zero in on a specific modern-day earthly corporation full of warriors in the boardroom as well as the battlefield. Or rather, the squared circle. Yes. Hmm. Okay. The WWE or Uh the World Wrestling Entertainment. Who are we focusing on to put this in perspective? And help break this down? Well, the one, the only, real name Paul Levesque. But you may know him as Triple H. Mm-hmm. Why use Triple H? Or did you, did you have a thought? I was just trying to think of what he was Hunter Hearst Helmsley. Oh, don't worry. Yes, you're you're absolutely correct. And okay. and that exact that exact the reason why you brought that up is exactly why I'm talking about this. Why use Triple H as an example? As we progress, we're going to start running into perhaps contradictions in angelic lore. But through Triple H, I will show you that these are not always contradictions. That they merely illustrate the true interconnected relationships within this complicated bureaucracy. And that some angels are not only capable of holding many offices within the organization at the same time. That the fact they do is further proof of their extreme power. Anyways... Here we go. Before Triple H joined WWE, or rather as it was back then, the WWF, mm-hmm. or the World Wrestling Federation, he wrestled in WCW, which of course was World Championship Wrestling, under variations of the name Terra Rising. And then the French-Canadian, yeah, his name was Terra, first like, name. Like Earth? Yeah, Terra, first name, Rising, Y. Z-I-N-G. Well, I hate that. Terrorizing. Well, that was how he started his career. Yeah, that ended. And then he became the French-Canadian aristocrat, Jean-Paul Levesque. Upon going to WWF, he became Hunter Hearst Helmsley, a name that would eventually morph into the much simpler Triple H. Mm -hmm. He would also go on to acquire many aliases and nicknames, such as the Connecticut Blue Blood, The Game, The Cerebral Assassin, Trips, the King of Kings, and the Creator slash Destroyer. Okay. Yep, he's that kind of a guy. Alpha and Omega. <laughs> yes. Every one of these labels refers to the same person at different points of his career, while at the same time, many of these nicknames can overlap and can apply to Triple H at any stage of his life. Many angels have different names, but are in fact the very same angel especially when jumping between different religions, just as Triple H's names changed as he switched wrestling companies, and even those wrestling companies changed names, both the WWF changing to WWE. Some are even bought by other wrestling companies and become part of their canon, as are the cases with WCW and ECW, both being bought out by the now WWE. Mm -hmm. Now Triple H remains an active wrestler. He is a performer, true, and he has held many titles over his lengthy tenure. He has even held two championships at the same time, 
such as being Intercontinental Champion as well as Tag Team Champion. I believe he was the Intercontinental Champion. When him and Stone Cold had the tag belts and one was the champion and Intercontinental Champion, they were forced to be reckoned with. That was a scary thing. Mm-hmm. During a match, they battled Jericho and Chris Benoit, and that's when Triple H tore his quad. Okay. And then still decided to give a pedigree to Jericho on the announce table and go through it as his quad is ripped off his body. I mean, what are you doing? How could you even stand? I don't know. I don't know. He's a, I couldn't. I could not either. <coughs> Unlike Triple H, I need my quad to stand. When he became a less frequent on-screen wrestler, he became the company's on-screen chief executive officer. Well, his real title behind the scenes was, in fact, executive vice president of talent, live events, and creative. So he has a fake executive role on TV, but even behind the scenes, his executive role is totally different. Mm-hmm. A role within a role. And just a few years ago, he was all of these things and even WWE champion. Just like Triple H, angels can hold many positions in different tiers of their company, and certain configurations of triad arrangements reflect an angel's role and relationship with heaven at certain stages of his divine career. With that being said, let's explore the most common seraphim, angels who make use of their six wings by using two to cover their face, two to cover their feet, and two to fly around, in doing so showing their true humility in front of the Lord, in front of their chairman. Because, like, unclean feet, I guess your dirty mouth, and then they fly around. That's a thing they do. Okay. You know, angels. Angel stuff. Angel stuff. There's going to be a lot of (laughs) angel stuff. Just things they do. So these are the traditional core seraphim of orthodox teachings. Enoch, an infamous holy scribe, who we will learn much more by the end of our journey through this bureaucracy, says there are four, but here's a list that surpasses that number. Now here's some angels. Nathaniel. Kemuel. Or Kemuel. Kemuel. Yeah, that's right. Kemuel. Mm-hmm. Remember that guy? Yeah. Okay. It's a pretty high rank for Kemuel. Uriel, Gabriel, Michael. And with their chief being, well, you can imagine one may have taken the job of the other one once the other abdicated it. Because, of course, we have Satan mm-hmm. and then Metatron, who is not a Transformer, I promise. Yeah, I I'm know. not talking <laughs> about them. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm just saying not talking. I mean, it does sound like a Transformer it, name. Very much. Like I said, it is common for major angels to pull double duty, sometimes triple duty, by servicing the corporation and other more hands-on management roles, roles that go far beyond their expectations as members of the board. Within an earthly corporation, this would make them comparable to the position of executive directors. But as you will find out, they are in fact so much more. Let's keep chopping away at the rest of the board, the rest of the first tier, the rest of the first triad. Mm Mm-hmm. The next level of angels closest to God would be the cherubim, the cherubs. These directors are perhaps the rank of angel that history has been least kind to. What do you think of when you think of a cherub? Uh, the little Valentine's guy shooting people with his bow. Exactly, yeah. A little baby, a little tiny Cupid. Yeah. Cute little cheeks, like you said. Yeah. Little bows, arrows. Yeah. Ready to shoot. Not wearing pants. Yeah, not wearing pants, flying around, being a little cutie cute, shooting unsuspecting strangers, full of love. Well, this depiction, of course, is wrong. Do you want to hear about the actual cherubs? Yeah, what do they got? The cherubs are guardian angels, monstrous foes, gatekeepers, possessing four wings and four faces. In our corporate analogy, they would probably run PR interference by dishing out opposition research on anyone or anything that threatened the integrity of the board. In ancient Babylon, they guarded the tree of life itself. In ancient Syria, they are depicted with massive statues possessing the winged bodies of sphinxes, eagles, lions, and bulls. They are God's charioteers. Their role as guardian was carried forward in Jewish tradition, for these horrible beasts were soon found guarding the pathways to the Garden of Eden. If the seraphim help amplify the powers of healing and love, the cherubs project wisdom and knowledge. Right. Scary guys. Yeah, they sound cool. Right, they sound real scary and real tough. Uh huh. The final members of the board and of the first triad are the thrones. Their chief is the angel Raziel. Now, they serve the company as, well, 
Remember how I just said the cherubs were God's charioteers? Mm-hmm. Well, that means God will need some chariots. So, picture the cherubs I described earlier. Terrifying, four-faced, animalistic winged beasts riding these evidently self-propelled, sentient chariots with spinning wheels of fire capable of flight as they go about their merry way carrying out God's will. You know, like any good board members are known to do. They're angelic chariots? Basically. Huh. These these guys are... You, you remember when we talked about Muhammad Ali and the aliens and the Ezekiel wheel? Ezekiel wheel yeah. The, spin, the spinning wheel of fire? Mm-hmm. That's these guys. Yeah. That's okay. what they do. Huh. And they... I mean, they, there's all sorts of weird, vivid depictions. But yeah, they're basically, they're basically the angel version of Kit from Knight Rider. Okay. But they're fire-burning chariots of destruction. Interesting. Uh-huh. Things are real weird when you're just an incorporeal being floating around the essence of God. Mm-hmm. Of all three of the angels consisting of God's inner circle, they're the ones closest to the material world, where energy becomes matter. The highest ranking among them would be the angel, Raphael. Hmm. Uh-huh. Next, we begin to address the upper management of God Incorporated, the Lord's executive officers. The second triad is made of the dominions, the virtues, and the powers. Now, our comparison with an earthly corporation is not one for one, for this is not an earthly corporation and such roles are invariably somewhat split between all ranks of this triad. By human perspectives, a clearly defined CEO does not exist here, but that is not to say the role is completely non-existent. The Dominions are tasked with regulating angel duties. In a terrestrial company, a chief executive officer, chief financial officer, and any other executive positions are more responsible than members of the board or even the chairman in running the company. Because when compared to the board, they work even closer with the employees doing the actual work. Mm-hmm. By regulating angel duties, I just also am a huge fan of the term angel duties. Yeah, I was throwing just going to mention that. I like angel duties. <laughs> yeah, a lot. The Dominions make sure work is being done and done correctly. And make sure the jobs at hand are in fact being done by the right people for them. A lot of delegation, making sure things are going in the proper places, the proper channels. Yep. Well, what do, what do they look like? They often wear crowns, wield scepters or swords, which are adorned with orbs of light. They got, okay. They got wings, too. Common dominions are Muriel, Zadkiel, Hasmol, Yariel, or Kazmal, who has the honor of being the, quote, fire-speaking angel. Again, these he angels... speaks fire. He speaks fire. So imagine how, you know, not intimidating that is. Yeah. Yes. Whoa! I'm gonna need you to stop talking to me. Casmail, what are you doing? And it might also be Chasmail because it's C H, but I like Casmail. Casmal. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on, you know how this goes. Again, these angels work behind the scenes, rarely working with the company's customers or adversaries. In a way, you can look at this second triad as being the backbone of the final upcoming third triad. Unlike some of the worst human corporations, the upper management of God Incorporated gives their lower managers the support needed to carry out their tasks. It helps that some of the lower managers also hold positions within upper management, but I digress. You know, Mm -hmm. it's a little easier when you're both the subservient and your own boss. Yeah. Moving on. The Dominions make sure every job is being carried out and that someone is able to carry it out. Well, the next group, the Virtues, produce courage, and give out blessings. The dominions are in charge of personnel, while the virtues take care of the logistics of angelic grace. When an angel lower on the totem pole is perhaps having trouble or needs help with the problems of any particular human or demon, they call corporate, and corporate stands by them by producing the miracles they require. Hmm. Consistency, congruency. If some of the more human companies supported their lower workers in this fashion, it would truly be a Terran miracle. But again, I digress. Moving (laughs) along. Talking about angels. Prominent virtues are known to be Michael, Gabriel, Raphael, Tarshish, Burial, and once upon a time, before he left the company to start his own competing organization, Satan. 
By now, it's obvious which angels keep reappearing in leadership positions. We will talk more about them soon. But like, here's a hypothetical. I imagine some gutsy, unsatisfied human in whatever situation you can you mm-hmm. know, conjure up in your head, approaching Gabriel, screaming, I want to speak to the manager. And Gabriel's just like chuckling. He's mm-hmm. like, Fleshling, I am the manager. <laughs> oh, mm-hmm. Okay. A crucial part of God, Inc.'s tasks is maintaining balance in the universe, which is a polite way of saying that their business model focuses on vanquishing unchecked evil, or rather, squashing the competition. I mentioned earlier, I mentioned earlier, Satan left the company to start his own upstart ragtag organization. For our purposes, let's just call it Hellcorp. Hellcorp? Hellcorp is ruthless. And will do everything it can to sabotage its competition. In Satan's eyes, nobody likes a monopoly. Although I'm sure he'd be okay commanding one. Mm-hmm. So what's the name of this game? The name of the game is Souls, Souls, Souls. Well, the next and final angelic order of the second triad are the Powers. Get ready for these guys. All right, hit me. All right, the powers are asset protection managers. And if maintaining and safeguarding souls is one of God Incorporated's primary objectives, these are the guys watching the product from security cameras and leering through clothing racks at potential shoplifters, making sure none of Satan's boys run off with the goods. Mm -hmm. They flutter around heavenly pathways, constantly searching for demonic invaders. When it came time to staff his new business... Satan looked to the powers for talent. They are warrior angels, after all, ever vigilant, ever ruthless. Angels have free will, and constantly dealing with the forces of evil and the dredges of the universe can make one bitter, jaded, dark. Uh oh. Right. These guys are more likely to fall victim to Satan's plight. Plus, constantly supervising humanity's souls and seeing how truly morbid and twisted mankind can be, getting perhaps the closest look at our race's flaws, would definitely do a lot of work in convincing them of Lucifer's founding mission statement, that humanity isn't as great as God says we are. Yep. Not not a fan. Nope, he wasn't a fan. Not on Team Human. Nope. Regardless, no matter which side of the cosmic scale they occupy... Powers are strong and unrelenting. Their chief is known by many names. Is Kamael, who is referred to both as the one who sees God as well as a duke of hell. Hmm. Some pagan beliefs even recognize him as a god of war. This certainly makes his allegiance a blurred one, as he commands a whopping 144,000 angels. Just a couple. Just a handful of guys. Angels tasked with all the things you'd want a good guy to be tasked with. Destruction, punishment, vengeance, and death. Yeah. How do you feel about that? Is that cool? Yeah, sounds about right. That's normal. Like I said, Kamael has many names. And his other name is one we have heard before. For it is that of Kemuel. Yeah, this is this guy, who we've already established as a seraphim and a ranking member of the board. Now, we both know he's also the very first angel we discussed in this program. Mm-hmm. For when he tried to get in the way of Moses receiving God's word, Moses smacked the shit out of him. Yep. In our telling, he used a specific weapon. What was that weapon he used in our tale? I believe it was a tablet. Or a steel chair. Uh, no, yes. In my head, that's hilarious. You were right the first time. In my head, I made it a steel chair. Yeah, mine but too. He, he used the tablet as a steel chair. <laughs> yep, that sounds right. But yeah, so that uh, that happened to uh, our buddy Kemuel. Now, whether Kemuel works for the devil or for God is still unclear. But suffice it to say, considering the sheer number of legions he leads along with their specialized talents... Perhaps he's more of an independent private security contractor working both sides to his own end. But, and it's a significant but, serving a dual role as one of God's most inner circle, maybe he knows something we don't 
and is performing the mission asked of him expertly. Of all the angels not popularized by mainstream convections, Kemuel may be the most significant and the most dangerous of them all. He's got a hard name to say. Right. Kemuel. Yeah. Or Kemuel. A lot of times that's how the L's pronounced at the end of these things. Because mm-hmm. L is a... I mean, the... the uh, I didn't break down the etymology of the word L, but I mean, it's holy in all things. I mean, elf, it's a spiritual being. It's got a whole long list of things it's attached to. Gotcha. Finally, we reach the third triad. This is where the bulk of the heavy lifting and actual work of running the company happens. Gone are the musings about purpose and creative ponderings, pure energy and chariots that power themselves. We are now store level, with the store being all of the physical universe. It's a big place. It's a pretty big, pretty big store. A little wide. Yeah, it's definitely a uh, super center spectacle. Oh, yeah. The angels who do their work here have firsthand experience with mankind and their nefarious tempters. When God created Earth, he created mankind, and after he cast his creations out of the Garden of Eden, humanity began to spread across the globe, and they quickly formed clans, cultures, alliances, and nations. The first angels of this hierarchy are the principalities. These guys fulfill the role of district managers, for each one of them was tasked with protecting or governing a specific large city or country of the struggling humans. Huh. So yeah. Each, uh, each settlement had a guy. Well, naturally, as the human race expanded, more nations and more cities sprung up. And like a company counselor who is now carrying double or triple their standard workload of patients, the angels began to overburn themselves as they were given more territory to protect. Eventually, they even took up the mantle of protecting religion itself. And since all four major monotheistic religions, Judaism, Christianity, Islam, and the oldest of the four, Zoroastrianism, exist simultaneously, well, if they weren't overburdened before, they sure as hell are now. Huh. Uh-huh. I mean, you mentioned lots of paperwork before. Can you imagine this level of paperwork? Yeah. It's, it's terrible. It's too much crisscrossing between religions, making sure everything's syncing up. Protecting humans based on whatever they're doing at the current time. There's a lot to. Uh, it's a lot to handle. It's not fun, right? It's actual work. Yeah, I'd wager this is the reason the principalities. I'd wager this is the reason principalities have no patience with moral shades of gray and view the world through a clear lens of black and white. They don't have time to worry about petty little details. Their opinion of good and evil is very stark. They're worried with big picture stuff. Notable principalities are Servo, Hamiel, Enael, and Nisroch, who first came onto the scene as an Assyrian deity, making the comparable switch from WCW to the WWE. Interesting. I mean, things are just absorbed as these religions grow, yep. and they take on new forms, and they become new guys. Next, we come across a group of angels that, when viewed in this corporate hierarchy, may seem almost inconsequential due to their low ranking. But I assure you, nothing could be further from the truth. The rankings within this structure, credit which goes to Dionysius, an unknown mystic of the 5th century, and scribe, who all other angelic writings since then owe reference. I mean, the amount of angelic fan fiction that was going on during these centuries is out of control. Oh, I bet. They're having so much fun. And then things get locked in. And then combined with the actual older teachings of the Torah and Judaism, they... These guys were doing some stuff. Oh, I can imagine. Right? It's getting real weird with it. Just sitting in your temple. Like, yeah, this is what he does. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is what he did then. Oh, okay. <laughs> all right, cool. Sure. Yeah, cool. all right, cool. Okay. But the rankings themselves primarily have to do with an angel's physical relationship and distance from God. As we've already addressed, there are many redundancies amongst this angelic order, with many of the following angels holding multiple managerial roles, and holding titles far closer to God than the very order we are about to discuss. It seemed as if we would never get to these magnificent champions, but that time has come. These are the Lord's store managers. But I do admit, even that title downplays their true significance. Mm -hmm. 
Again, our corporate analogy is not a one-for-one comparison. When your mission statement is maintaining the balance between good and evil and obliterating darkness, it would be hard to find any material world analog. Angels in this tier are considered the, quote, messengers which carry divine decrees and are active participants in communicating God's message to his customers. They are also direct supervisors of the armies of heaven. These are the archangels. Huh. They're far down there, right? Yeah, that's pretty far down. Uh-huh. But then I was thinking about like a company, and obviously that's the lens I chose to address everything that's happening here. Mm-hmm. Like all the guys in the upper boardrooms just sit around, you know, flying their flying golden chariots, doing whatever they're doing up there. They still have an, they still have more to do than an actual probably bureaucrat in an actual company, right. depending on the level, because they are still defending against evil and their chariots made of fire and they have legs and four faces and so they got stuff going on. Yeah, they're busy. But as far as a corporate structure goes, like these guys are doing their real fucking work. Yeah. And as we talked about, you know, some of these guys already. And we've already come across them. Mm-hmm. So they've got their feet. I mean, they're all they're These guys carry a lot of burden. Mm-hmm. And of these archangels, of which it is commonly assumed to comprise a total of seven. Now, who exactly are these seven can and does vary, like any grouping in angelic lore. But within this roster, four angels are consistently present among such lists. And we'll get to them. But first... Let's start with the archangels who are not as well known. They are Sariel, which means God's command. And just for fun, other aliases include, and when I say them out loud, they probably sound similar, but they're spelled differently. Now his name is Sariel. Mm-hmm. We have Suriel, Suriel, then we have Zerakiel, and Seraquel. Okay. Right. Enoch said Sariel is, quote, responsible for the fate of those angels who transgress the laws. Oh. Mm. He sounds like he's a fun guy to be around. He's the hammer. Oh, boom. Yeah, he is the hammer. Yeah. And when you're a hammer, well, every problem's a nail. And, well, here, Sariel acts as a judge and jury amongst the angelic ranks. The role of angel of death is also a moniker he embraces. The legends of the angels that have been passed down to us through the centuries may have breached us out of order or don't clarify in what part of an angel's career they have taken place during. Chronologically, the chronological order, not as exact, Mm -hmm. but these are all the stories. So with that being said, Enoch states that Sariel is one of the rebel angels. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-huh. Uh-oh. Yeah, right? But following other stories associated with him, it seems that Sariel may have undertook somewhat of a redemption arc and, reta- and returned and returned to the good graces of the Lord. So there's a little story in there. Yeah. Brief fall, doing some stuff. Mm-hmm. Next, we have Raguel. He has been called the friend of God. Enoch stated that Raguel, or Rasuel, Raphael, and, you know, Akrael, you know angels and names, man. Yeah. You know what's going on here. They're all over the place. Uh-huh. Quote, takes vengeance upon the world of luminaries. He, quote, watches over the good behavior of angels. Okay. If Sariel acts as a judge or jury, Raquel, Raguel, serves as an internal prosecutor. He is internal affairs. Like Sariel, he too may have had a momentary flirtation with the dark side, if not falling from grace altogether. Uh Next, Remiel, or the mercy of God, which means he is, quote, Lord of souls awaiting resurrection. So he's in charge of that stuff. Okay. He is responsible for the security of souls that are waiting for their divine judgment in the afterlife. Just another division of God, Inc. Warehouses upon warehouses of souls with Remiel's factory workers organizing and cataloging them before God deduces whether they are bound for heaven or bound for hell. For as much a threat heaven considers Hellcorp, they sure seem to have worked out some kind of arrangement. 
Now, like the other two previous angels we just discussed, Enoch claims that Remiel at some point had put in his two weeks and set out to Hellcorp. But before doing so, he defeated a legion of Assyrian forces. No big deal. Yeah, whatever, man. Now, it's disputed that perhaps another angel had done this instead. Uh Uh-oh. More on that later. And he was also in charge of, quote, spreading the instructions of the seven archangels, quote. Generally, it was his job to compose the company-wide emails and forward them to all of their underlings, ensuring their expectations had been expressed satisfactorily. Maybe that was why he fell. If he truly did. Because that sounds like a very tedious profession. Yeah, it doesn't sound fun. Nobody wants that job. No. Hey, Ramiel, you got... Did you take notes? Yeah, or you put an email. What? You know I'm an archangel, Why right? Why don't you take your own notes? <laughs> yeah. No, email. Sometimes tell, tell the world. Proclaim to the world the message of the angels. No. Yeah. I, can you do that, Michael? He's like, nah, man. I ain't doing that. Nah, bro. <laughs> Sorry. He just waves his sword around. Yeah. What? And then um, next up we have Raziel. And his title is Angel of the Secret Regions and the Supreme Mysteries. As we mentioned earlier, he is also chief of the thrones. I think, mm-hmm. But it seemed that he was more interested in revealing his mysteries because Raziel compiled the book that he humbly titled The Book of the Angel Raziel <laughs> <laughs> okay. and gifted it to Adam, the first man. He's like, here, He's like, bud. Here you go. Why don't you read this? And then it like worked its way down the line of Adam and it was passed down from generation to generation. It kind of flitted around. And uh, also this little book he had in some, it was also written down in a language that like angels couldn't understand. So you, somehow we'd have to decode it for you maybe. I mean, so like, what do you, Raziel's got his little diary over here. Like, yeah. What are you doing, man? Huh. Here, Adam, you can have my diary. Yeah. Thanks, dude. He's like, oh, you just got kicked out of the garden. Ian, this might help. Here's a book. What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm cold and naked with my wife. Good luck, dude. I got, a, got you a book. I can't read yet. <laughs> yeah. Have fun. She burns it to keep warm. <laughs> yeah. No. Then <laughs> he's like, I'll write a new one. Ramiel pops in. He's like, "He got my email yet? Yeah, I'm writing a book. Get out of here. Beat it. Yeah, get the hell out of here. Unlike Raziel, the rest of these angels that I mentioned above, at one point or another, may have switched their allegiances. But how many truly did? Only a few? All of them? Were they replaced by a handful of lesser known, more anything but mainstream angels? Did they leave and come back? Maybe. But if these angels have wavered in their duties... The next never have. Which brings us to the four remaining archangels. So, who comprises the most consistent quartet of archangels? Who are the Fab Four? Do tell. These are our heavy hitters. Raphael, an angel we've already met when addressing the thrones and the virtues, is additionally said to flex his influence within the dominions, powers, and even cherubs. Okay. Did he work his way up the corporate ladder, or is this merely evidence of an extremely hands-on supervisor? Hmm. Is Raphael a micromanager? Probably. Nah. Like the professional wrestler we referenced earlier, he is both active competitor and corporate executive. He is considered a friendly presence, so maybe he's a little needy. We can go that route. It's like, mm-hmm. hey, guys, how you doing? You doing everything all right in here? Yeah. How's that fire chariot? Still running good? Yeah, still spinning. You guarding that entrance way? Okay. Just making sure. I'm going to go over here and talk to the powers. Camille, what do you, what do you, are you guys, Camille, what's your deal, man? You with us or you with the devil? Doesn't matter. He's like, I'm reading my emails. Leave me alone. Yeah. <laughs> Remy will keep sending me all these emails. I got <laughs> I got to read these things. Yeah. Just delete them all. <laughs> That's what I, <laughs> yes. Select all delete. <laughs> yeah. Did you get the email yet? And yep. I'm done for the day. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going. All right, time to wage war on whatever the fuck I want. Yeah. He is the manager you want to talk to if you need help with your schedule or some extra time off. Approachable. He is associated with healing. Enoch states that he is, quote, one of the four presences set over all the diseases and the wounds of children of man. He is entrusted with presiding over the healing of the earth. Perhaps Raphael is a member of the corporate structure who advocates for policies that help stem the tide of climate change, being a very pro-environmental activist. He did give Noah a book with the blueprints for the infamous Ark, after all. Mm -hmm. What was this book? 
none other than the book of the Angel Raziel. So that was in there. <laughs> Why is <it> given? <laughs> Somehow Raphael got it. And I was like, no, I'll build this ark. He's like, read this stupid diary Raziel wrote. <laughs> and I was like, I can save my whole family with this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, God told me you're gonna you're gonna get a sign, and this angel's just like here, read this diary. He's like, oh my, everything I need is in here. Did you know this, Raphael? He's like, save the planet, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> At least save your family. You better get on getting all those animals. It's gonna take a while. Yeah, get on it. Next, we have Uriel, both a seraphim and a cherub, and as a cherub, he performs his sentinel duties outside the Garden of Eden, while white knuckling a searing, flaming hot sword. One of his other duties is similar, except replace the Garden of Eden with that of the Underworld. They got one of those? Well, yeah. Wait, isn't the Underworld managed by Hellcorp? Yeah. Well. The buyout? I was thinking about this too, yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know what deals are like, you know, is, does, uh, does Hellcorp lease hell? I mean, everything's God's domain. Yeah. He made the heaven and the hell, so... I didn't think about that when I was writing this. Hellcorp leases hell. I like that. That's fun. <laughs> it's like our... it's a lease, so you know it just really sucks. Right. Yeah. But then there's a, every once in a while there's like some other corporation that tries to take it over, or like he tries to like you know different bidding, mm-hmm. different contract. Well, to that I say everything in the universe is God's domain, like I just said. And if he wants Uriel to watch over it, Uriel is going to watch over it. He couldn't have picked a better angel to do so. Do I know about Uriel? Yeah. Uriel is ruthless. How ruthless? He takes immense pleasure from burning the souls of sinners in everlasting hellfire. Wow. <laughs> like, calm down, dude. Blasphemers can hang from their tongues as a never-ending furnace crackles beneath their feet. I thought that was the devil's job. Eternity in the presence of Uriel is unwavering horror. <laughs> I mean, he's like a good guy. He's a good guy. Is he? He's on, he's on Team Good. Man. I mean, it's just a, to him. It's, I mean, it's just a job, but it's not just a job because I'm pretty sure he likes it. The because I summarized the quotes when I said what he did. Like, he sounds like he's having fun. Yeah. Eternity. Yeah, like I said, in the presence of Uriel is unwavering horror. Doesn't last eternity if you like what you're doing, though. <laughs> no. Yeah, he never worked a day in his life. Yeah. He's, like, he's like, get the gay. Those tongues gotta be hung higher. Yeah. Oh, geez, Uriel. Really yank on him. Yeah, just get him up there. Turn up the heat. Turn it up. He waves his fire sword around. Satan, get in there. Satan comes by for a, like, a stop, and he's like, what is going on here? Your girl just has his private room. Yeah. He rents out a room in Hellcore. Yeah. He's like, all right, well, carry on, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I'm okay with this. Who's peril you want, Uriel? <laughs> <laughs> Are you one of my guys? Huh. He walks by, and he's like, Scattlebutt or whatever this demon's name. And then Uriel turns around like, oh, I didn't know you were down here. This is morbid shit, dude. Yeah. He just stares at Satan. I'm moving on. All right. Move along. Move along. All right. According to Uriel, you break the rules. You get broken. I gave him that that motto. I gave him that motto. I wish it was. God, I wish it was. It was in. It's, yeah, it's it's what I wish. In somebody's book. It says that in the Bible right there. Cool quote. Yeah, Uriel 13, chapter 11. You break the rules, you get broken. (laughs) (laughs) Uriel is not the boss you go to to ask for time off. You sure don't. (laughs) You stay the hell away from that guy. (laughs) Yeah, pass. Do your thing, man. Leaving you alone. It's like, is Raphael around? (laughs) He's giving Noah some book. He's planting trees or something. All right, I'll go talk to him instead. Yeah, I'm going to get away from you. Yeah, yikes. He will not excuse her absence for frivolous reasons. He is not the person you want called over if you are a customer asking for the manager. <laughs> Depends on how rude you are, I guess. I mean, right? Yeah, Uriel would love to talk to you. Yeah. Oh, you know what? Let me grab my manager, Uriel. Yeah, hey, hey, Yuri. He walks out with his flaming sword. Uriel is ferocity manifest. And I don't get much into... Obviously, I don't play Dungeons and Dragons, but I should start. You should. It's fun times. But I, he, when I thought of Uriel, because I talked about he, he loves structure, he loves rules, but he's a kind of a monster. He, tell me if I'm wrong. Is he lawful evil? Yeah. 
right? That's how I, I'm like, this sounds like something I've heard before. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, that's just what he does. Cool. Yeah. Glad he's a good guy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Next, we have Gabriel, whose name derives from ancient versions of the word governor. We've talked about him before on this podcast. Sits at the left hand of the Lord's throne. In fact, talked about him before. Everybody knows he's the grand champion. Yeah. Of the characters we discussed over the past year. And he stands around in Indiana sometimes. And he just stands in stones in Indiana and talks to crazy people. (coughs) Well, Gabriel is both a member of the board and leader of the cherubim. He is God's messenger interacting perhaps more directly with mankind than any other angel. He's the guy inside the store broadcasting special savings over the loudspeaker. Granted, there are very focused and individual specific specials. He foretold the comings of John the Baptist and Jesus to each of their parents respectively. And he gave the Quran to Muhammad or parts. Gabriel protects new life as it prepares to be born. So Uriel he's a busy guy, right? He's doing a lot. Right, these guys. There's a lot going on with these guys. What's their work week like? Forty oh, hours. Man. I had to stop. I couldn't, <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't. A day in the life of a day in the life of God Incorporated. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's bounced around up here. Yeah. So Gabriel protects new life as it prepares to be born, and Uriel cares for. Well, I guess yeah, cares for. I guess tortures souls after they die. Yeah. Well, Gabriel watches over them before they arrive. I mean, in Euro's defense, allegedly he only does this to bad people. Does so, he? I mean. Does he, though? I, I mean, I don't know. I haven't talked to him. He he fudge, he get, he gets with, um, ah, oh man, I, I could scrub here, but I'm not going to. He gets with the um, the guys that kind of, the warehouse of souls, and he's like, a few of these are falling off the truck. Yeah. <laughs> he's, come here. Mm-hmm. Come, to, come to Papa. This one's for me. Yeah, thank you. Which brings us. To Michael, Michael, or, quote, who is as God, the, quote, Prince of Light, Viceroy of Heaven, and, quote, Prince and Commander of the Stars. Just a few small titles, Uh nothing nothing too serious. right. He is perhaps the greatest of all the angels. His wings glisten emerald gold and are akin to to that of a peacock's. His very tears may even give life to new cherubim. As we already addressed, he serves as a ranking member of the board. While not consistently considered a seraphim, it is easy to see how he would have received the promotion. Michael can be seen strutting around or maybe fluttering about with an unsheathed sword flaunting his true purpose as a virtuous weapon of the Lord, ready to defend the Almighty at a moment's notice. One retelling states that he wiped out 185,000 Assyrian warriors who marched on Jerusalem by himself. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Just, hey, he did that. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Now, this is the same battle that Ramiel, Ramiel takes credit for that we mentioned earlier about the Assyrian battle. Yeah, but you know who really did it. I mean, it's Michael. The, tell, the telling for Ramiel, I guess, is older than Michael, but... Uh. Mm. Disinformation, right? Michael's like, I, but what if Michael does all this shit? And he's like, I did that too. And Rumor's like, that's one of the few things I've done. He's like, no, nah, <laughs> that was me. No, he's like, I inspired you. Get out of here, Michael. You weren't even there. Yeah, you were crying and making cherubs, whatever the hell that means. Uh-huh. It's like, leave me alone. Leave my cherub tears alone. So yeah, that's Romeo's battle. So take that as you will. But Michael would surely be capable of such a feat, as during the first great war in heaven. The bloody corporate demerger. He is the one who bested Satan in one-on-one combat, casting him out of the boardroom to the fires and abyss below, and is prophesized to do the same thing in the final battle between good and evil. Well, that's pretty cool. Right. With Satan cast out of the administration, it was easy for Michael to fill the void left by his fallen kin. Michael is also responsible for weighing the souls of the dead and even carrying them to the afterlife. It's a bold... Um, task. Yeah. The association, the associations with the Egyptian god Anubis, the Greek god Hermes, and the Roman god Mercury cannot be ignored. When early church leaders disregarded and disgraced the pagan gods, it is said that Michael 
ingested all of their attributes. Let's process that for a moment. Yeah, what? All the pagan gods that were whipped away from, you know, the hierarchy, the not the non-Christian gods. Mm-hmm. The archangel Michael may have the might of all of the outcast, ostracized pagan gods combined. Hmm. When it comes to putting in that extra overtime, Michael has no competition. That's serious. Yeah. Can you imagine this powerful being, this hybrid monster? It's a lot going on there. Nothing can stop it. Nothing can stop Michael. He has no competition. Or does he? Hmm. Who is Enoch? He's been the reference for much of our angelic knowledge and musings here. Mm-hmm. He was a holy scribe and Noah's great grandfather. Enoch was a good man, a kind man, a holy man. He behaved in a just way that was extremely favorable to the Lord. Because of this, God instructed Enoch to record everything he saw and then proceeded to show him around the corporate offices and introduce him to the staff. What Enoch was not immediately aware of is that this was an interview, or rather, God had a job opening. And he thought Enoch was the man he needed. Now, why was there a job opening, you might ask? Well, somebody went and started his own company. Exactly, yes. I mean, he did lose a sizable chunk of his operatives in a previously mentioned demerger, so, like, he's understaffed. Especially losing, you know, where his preferred executive, his favorite employee, had grew restless and betrayed him, turned on him, and then, like you said, went and started his own company. Uh And that's a guess. That's my guess. Yeah. He's like, well, shit. Yep. I need a new Lucifer. Uh What? What? Whatever the reason. But I am going with that one. God welcomed Enoch into the company. But this is not a company for mortals. God would need an angel. And so he made one. I mean, I guess he can do that. Right? If anybody can. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yep. Welcome aboard, Enoch. Enoch is the rare case where a human was made host. Enoch became the youngest of all the angels, but the most powerful, surpassing the abilities of even Michael. When it comes to the greatest of all time, Metatron may be the associate that fits that bill. Enoch became the archangel, the seraphim, prince of the divine face, angel of the covenant, king of the angels, and the tetragrammaton. Again, his name is Metatron. He's an angel made of fire, possessing countless eyes and 36 wings. Even though he is part of upper management and member of the board, Metatron retains his role as record keeper and scribe, documenting all of creation. I mean, he's basically a bookworm with superpowers. Yeah, that's pretty cool. He's got all the smarts. He's a noble guy. He's like, here you go. Mm-hmm. Now, there is a darker side to Metatron. And while we will not explore that here, let's just say replacing Satan in the heavenly order may carry with it unexpected potential hazards. Uh-oh. Right? With that, we are left... Metatron's awesome. I love him a lot. Oh, yeah? Yeah. But again, more on him eventually. Right. With that, we are left with the final level of all three triads. The level simply dubbed Angels. These are the hourly workers, the nine-to-fivers of God Incorporated. They're the ones carrying out the daily grinds of universal functionality. They interact with the physical, mortal customers of the company on a daily basis, even if said customers rarely realize it. Specific angels are tasked with watching over the stars, the planets, the seven days of the, of the week, all the days of the week, like Castiel, the angel of Thursday. Huh. The seasons, every hour of every day, each blade of grass, and so on, and so on, and... There's a lot of mind-numbing jobs in there. Right. Well, hey, how's your blade of grass doing, Jack Hale? How's Thursday looking? 
It's the same every week. Pretty, pretty free. <laughs> yeah. Depends. Where do you want me to look? What country? Oh, there's a lot of things. Oh, this one's this one country's in bad shape on Thursday, but that's like there every Thursday. Yeah. Oh, cool. How's Monday? Oh, he's still sleeping. How's that star? Still bright. Still there. Doing okay. <laughs> one number thrown out during the 14th century was that there were 301 million. 655,722 known angels. Known? Known. I say known because those are the ones they knew about, I guess. Like they they knew all their names. I haven't found that list. I yeah, wish. Yeah, because that's a big list. Then again, my angel encyclopedia that I own, I, I mean, maybe I could count. <laughs> One, I don't, I don't two, think so. I don't think you're going to have that many in there. Three, four. Well, and how many names are the same angel? There's a bunch of those guys. Yeah. But, so I said, yeah, 301,655,722, a third of which would defect to the aforementioned and briefly discussed competition. Hellcorp. Hellcorp. That brings us to the uh, conclusion of our bureaucratic breakdown of the organization entrusted with managing the effortless, consistent rhythm of the entire universe. The very corporate structure that guarantees our known world doesn't fly apart by the seams of reality at a moment's notice. That being said, I'd like to think maybe the angel who's looking after that star has a proactive mission in like keeping it up. Mm-hmm. Or like if it gets crazy, he's like, no, he's like, but okay, but a yeah. lot of observing. A lot of watching. Mm-hmm. Interesting. That being said, how much of a guarantee is this that the universe will maintain its current form when everyone knows the corruptive influences and evil machinations of the Hell Corporation lurk behind every corner, tempting not just humanity towards the darkness, but every one of those three million plus angels, a third of which fell to create the counter company in the first place. That ongoing conflict and the true origins of evil have to wait till a different time mm. just know that this war rages all around us and the only thing protecting the fabric of this dimension from complete annihilation are the noble stalwarts of god incorporated all right angels man angels something i've been meaning to get to for a long time and it needed some kind of earthly tether because it's a lot of it's a lot of madness and it's out of control yeah, it's kind of all over the place it's a lot Right. Yep. Mm-hmm. But there's angels, God Incorporated. Yep. Different tiers, different hierarchies. Oh, yeah. Everybody's rocking and rolling, making sure this universe ticks and talks. But between you and me, kind of interested in Hell Corp. Yeah. How's that place doing? I don't know. Probably, I mean, competition's good, right? Exactly. That's the idea. Free market. Yeah. Work out some kind of deal. But that, of course, is not tonight. Tonight was the heavenly host of angelic lore. So yep. There we go. Cool. Yeah, right? Yeah. A lot to process. There's a lot. It's thrown it in there because it was a lot. Yep. So much. Angels, man. And if you want to tell me anything or if you've got, if you've still got any stories about you lads, even though Christmas, the season is past us, mm-hmm. I'd love to know. Word for your podcast at gmail.com. We're on all the social medias Facebook, Instagram, all those guys. Patreon too at Weird and Feared. Yeah, go ahead and leave us a, leave us a review on anything. And uh, yeah, also, let us yeah. know how we're doing. Yes, please leave a review on the show. Comments and criticism welcome. 100%. What else is welcome? Staying spooky. Staying spooky, guys. Do it. All right, later. Boom.
you know what? Let me grab my manager, Uriel. Yeah, hey, <laughs> hey, Yuri. He walks out with his flaming sword. <laughs> <laughs> what is happening? No, you moron. <laughs> yeah, you know what she did. She, she thought, thought I, Siri. She thought I said that, na that name. Uh. God damn it! I <laughs> hey, Yuri. Not that time. His Yuri. Yeah, see, I slurred it together. That's better. That's probably what I did the first time.